Um, our next guest needs no introduction. <laughs> Kusala Bhikshu, our favorite Buddhist monk. Yay! <laughs> It's good to be here. It's good to be anywhere, but especially in Ventura. <laughs> Somebody asked me the other day, they said, you know, this world seems just insane lately. I'm watching the news, all, all I see is violence at a national level, an individual level. I go out to put gas in my car, I have to check to see if my credit card has enough credit on it to buy the gas, and, and I don't see any place that's a refuge in the world. Some place I can go and just feel safe and comfortable. Can you talk to me about how to put together a practice, a personal daily practice that will enable me to find the refuge inside rather than outside? And I thought about it for a while, and I said, sure. You know, it, it can just be composed of three parts. We'll keep it simple. It doesn't need to be complicated. And the first part is, when you get up in the morning and have your coffee, and before you start your day, whether it's working or school or just whatever you do, remember a phrase or a sentence, something that inspired you that made you feel good. Maybe something you read that Ernest Holmes wrote, or the Dalai Lama, or Thich Nhat Hanh, or maybe even a poem that was meaningful to you and stimulated you at a heart and mind level. So just recite that to yourself, just briefly and out loud, because what goes from your mouth into your ear stays in your mind just a little bit longer. So what I do in the morning, and it's simple, I say, may I be happy, peaceful, and free from suffering. That's it. Just, just a couple sentences just to remind me that it's possible. Just to remind me that it's possible. Now, after you've done that, the second part is really important because this is going to be your foundation. This is where you work from. This is where you live most of the time. And in Buddhism, we call it the five precepts, but it's not Buddhist, it's human. It's, it's how to live with each other. It's how to live next door. Be a good neighbor. Be a friend to your friends and a friend to yourself. And it goes like this. And what you want to do is you want to say the word today. Because you're only going to do it today, okay? Until you do it tomorrow, and then it'll be today as well. <laughs> but the idea I find, especially around New Year's and all those resolutions that we take on, it, it's such a burden. For the rest of my life, I will not do this. And you're 25. <laughs> And, and you think to yourself, but what if I want to do that? You know, should I even take a New Year's resolution? Or should I just live my life? So by adding the word today, we don't burden ourselves with eternity. 
is just right now. It's the first thing. I will practice not taking life today. Okay. Pretty easy? Yeah. How about that mosquito? No. How about those cockroaches? Yeah, I don't know. There's all sorts of stuff that we like to kill because it solves the problem. We, it's very fast and efficient. Killing works that way. But saving life takes a little bit more time. So what I call it is catch and release. That you get a jar or a cup and the little guy that's not supposed to be in your space who doesn't know he's not supposed to be in your space, you finally catch and release it outside. Put him back where he belongs as far as you're concerned, not as far as he's concerned. And that's the first step. How can I honor life? How can I be kind? What do I need to do? Well, it can start with not taking life. Second one. Today I will not take what is not given. Wow. Does that mean I can't steal? Well, it means you can't steal, but it also means you can't take what is not given. So if you need a pencil and you see one on a table and nobody offers it to you, are you going to take it? Because you said to yourself, today I'm not going to take what is not given. I was at a monastic retreat a few years ago, and we were eating, and one of the lay people who was serving the food to the monastics picked up a monk's apple and marveled at the size and the color and how it's going to taste when he finally eats it and put it back down. Now, the monk was faced with a dilemma. He couldn't touch that apple because it had been taken away from him by the touch of the layperson. It has been transferred, the ownership, to the layperson. So another monk saw the dilemma and re-offered the apple to the monk so he could eat it. Now, this is sort of an over-the-top example, but it, 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 it just shows you how important it is to honor someone's stuff even if they don't own it, but they think they do. And that's sort of most of the stuff that all of us use every day that we think we own because we have receipts. But we're just using all that stuff until somebody wants it more than we do or we can't find it or the new model comes out. We're just using this stuff. The third one, I will practice loving kindness today. Loving kindness. What a rare concept that is. Because it's not love, and it's not kindness, it's loving kindness. They're connected. And that can't turn into lust, generally. That just stays with loving kindness. So how do you practice loving kindness every day? Well, for instance, the other day I was getting gas. $6.39. I checked my wallet. I had a few extra dollars. I put it into my tank. A woman comes up to me and says, do you have any spare change? I thought to myself, $6.39 a gallon? I don't have any spare change. <laughs> but 
I was practicing loving kindness. So I needed to say no in a kind way. And it's okay to say no. It's okay to have boundaries. But the secret with that no and those boundaries is to do it in a kind, compassionate way. So I explained to her, I'm sorry, I didn't bring any extra money today. It's all going in the tank. And she understood, I think, and didn't feel too bad, I think, but I didn't want to tell her, no way, I can't afford it. I wanted to do it in a more skillful way. Number four, I will speak skillfully today. I'll have no false speech, malicious speech, harsh speech, idle chatter, or gossip. I will speak in an intelligent, compassionate way today. You may never say anything that day. (laughs) Because if you really pay attention to what you're saying... To most people, it's just idle chatter, gossip. It's just, you know, small stuff. Oh, it's beautiful today. The sun's out. Weather feels good. Not too much traffic. And that's fine. That's how we create relationships. That's how we relate and respond to people. And every now and then, you'll find someone who has intelligent conversation that, and they want to share it with you. They want you to be part of that. And what a gift that is. So monitor what you say and how you say it. And understand that that right speech or skillful speech is a talent and a skill. And it takes a long time to acquire it because often our mouth begins speaking before our mind begins working. That's how it works. And number five... I will not consume intoxicants today to the point of intoxication. Now, in a more traditional way, it's not consuming intoxicants. But you know what? A lot of people like beer and burritos and salsa and chips. And, and they don't get drunk. They just get high. Maybe not even that high. Maybe just a little high. But it accents their food, makes things taste better, allows them to relax a little bit. One of my favorite blues songs goes, I ain't drunk, I just been drinking. (laughs) And that's sort of what we want to do. You know, if you feel compelled to have an alcoholic beverage, yeah, but moderation always works best. So those five precepts can be the foundation of your life. The third part, the transcendent part, the most interesting part of all is meditation. We heard a little bit about it earlier. Two kinds of meditation. We have tranquility meditation and we have insight meditation. I prefer tranquility meditation because it makes me feel happy and relaxed and tranquil, and hopeful. It does a lot of things. Insight meditation, I used to do. But I just got rattled all the time. Because I started seeing things I didn't want to see. 
I started understanding things that have always been hidden and finally came to the surface. And I'm going, oh man, no, come on. Life's hard enough already. I don't need to know all the stuff. Just let me know some of the stuff. So I went into tranquility meditation, and it, what that means is this. We concentrate, we focus on one thing, and don't vary it. We don't fall away, we don't get distracted, we're just there. That one thing, that one thing. So what can we use in this meditation? We can use our breath, something we always have. It's always there, just under the surface. Most of us don't think about it until we can't breathe. Most of us don't think about it, and we have been five minutes away from death our whole life. Because when you stop breathing, you don't have much time left. Wow! Five minutes away from death our whole life, and we made it? We're still here? We're still breathing? What a miracle the breath is. Okay, so we take our attention and we put it on the tip of the nose and we feel, we feel the sensation of breath going out and coming in, going out and coming in. The cool part about this, sensation always happens right now. Doesn't happen in the future, doesn't happen in the past. It's always happening right now. This is our reference point to the present moment experience of our life. It brings us in right into what's happening now. And we're able, after a period of time, to let go of what's going to happen or what did happen. It's just what's happening now. And right now, we're breathing out and in, out and in. But the mind, the mind gets distracted so easily because the mind wants to think. That's its job. It's thinking all the time about everything. It gives us dreams at night. In the morning, it tells us what kind of cereal we want to eat. Huh? You know? And then it tells us what tie to wear today. The mind is always working on our behalf because it thinks that it's in charge. But what happens when you meditate, it's no longer in charge. You've got a choice. You can accept what the mind says is right and true, or you can say to yourself, well, I don't know. I need a little more time to reflect, to ruminate on it, to see if the mind is my best friend or if the mind is just a master instead of a tool. So meditation allows you to make your mind into a tool and you get rid of that master. Okay, so here you are. You can't keep your mind on the sensation because it's thinking all the time. So you count. You use a concept of a number and you attach it to the sensation of breath. You go one, two, three, four, up to ten, down to one, up to ten, down to one. Some days will be better than other days. Some days you won't make it to seven. Because the mind wants to think about stuff. It's important. Did you turn off the stove, the mind tells you? I don't have a stove, you say to the mind. 
So, so there you are, you're, you're struggling with this. Now, some people think, well, if I meditate, I'm not going to have any thoughts. Not true. You're going to have thoughts. But what you want to do is you want to put those thoughts, that discursive thinking, that monkey mind, into the background. And you want to have your object of meditation in the foreground. So you're counting the breath is the most important thing, and that's the foreground. And the thinking in the background, you can sort of hear it, you can sort of make sense of it. Think of it this way. You got your new Kindle, you can hardly wait to read this book, but you have the radio on in the background. And somehow, you can sort of follow the radio while you're reading your new book on your Kindle. Aren't humans amazing? We can do two, three, four things at a time. Actually, we're just doing one thing at a time really quickly. But it seems like they're all happening together. So it's not a bad thing to think. But we don't want that to be our primary focus. We want that to be a background activity, and we want counting of the breath to be right in the foreground. Okay, so now you've been doing this a year, you're getting really good. You can count to 10, you can count back down to 1, back up to 10 without being distracted. Your knee hurts, but you don't care anymore. Your mind just rattles on, you go, that's what the mind does. And now you want to go to the next level. There's really not another level, but it's different now. Okay? So now what you want to do is you just want to follow your breath without attaching it to the numbers. Because those numbers are concepts, and those concepts disturb our mind, and we don't really find the tranquility and peace that we're after because concepts get in our way. But if you're able just to simply follow the sensation of breath without the concepts of numbers, you go into a much deeper place of tranquility and calm and peace. That is so nice after a busy day or before a busy day to be able to use that as your refuge, to go there and feel that you've come home again. Because this is where you live all the time, right now in this present moment. You can't do anything tomorrow because it hasn't happened yet. You can't change anything from yesterday because it's over. This is where your whole life begins and ends and continues right now. So can we do that? Can we find a way to, may I be happy, peaceful, free from suffering? I'm not going to kill anything. I'm not going to steal anything. I'm going to have love and kindness. I'm going to speak skillfully. I'm not going to get drunk today. And then can I go and find that peace in my breath? Can I simply be focused and present every time I inhale and exhale? Now, the clever ones who hear this will say, well, what's the best one to do? Is the inhale better than the exhale? Or should I count both, inhale, exhale, as one? And then... Can I add and subtract as I'm doing this? Or am I stuck with just counting? You know what? All that stuff's up to you. 
you get to choose. Because this is your practice. You get to choose what you want to say in the morning. You get to choose how to effectively practice those five precepts. And you get to choose inhale, exhale, or both at the same time. It doesn't matter. Whatever makes you feel good. But the thing is, once you've decided, you can't change during those 10 or 15 minutes of watching the breath. You've got to stick with that choice. Okay? Which can be difficult because you're going to find about five minutes into it, I bet the out-breaths are so much better. <laughs> and here I am stuck with the in-breaths. What's wrong with me? You know? So it's, it's a practice. And the practice ultimately turns into performance. That's what we want to do. Is we want to have a performance that we don't have to think about. Now, I haven't played the harmonica for a really long time. I'm still waiting for COVID to go away because I just fear sticking my hand in my mouth with a metal object that's who's nowhere it's been. But, but, but the deal is... I practiced for a really long time before I was able to play the thing and make it sound like anything bluesy at all. There was a moment, there was a transition that I went from practice to performance. It was magical. I couldn't make it happen myself. I couldn't pull it to make it happen faster. I couldn't push it to make it happen faster. It had its own life cycle, this practice thing. So who knows how long we're going to practice? Probably the rest of our life. But the rest of our life is today.